The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 118. And Joey, I think one of us today has a new phone. Mickey Papillon is a cell phone junkie. I did make the switch and I am over with AT&T. As the rumor has been going, I did order a Centro. So I guess I would compare it to something like Mobile Utopia. Worst battery life ever. All right, we ready? Recording. Here we go. Photos of the new Android phone get leaked, a new date for the BlackBerry Bold here in the U.S., and Windows Mobile 6.1 hits multiple devices. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Joey, how you doing today? Sitting next to you today. It's uh, spent the, the morning and a little, little bit of the early afternoon on the boat today, and it's just a beautiful day here in Minneapolis. It's a great day. Early fall weather, you got to love it, I guess, right? Uh-huh. Well, uh, we are, uh, we're going to talk a lot about, um, uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about, I should say, today. First off, I wanted to mention uh, that my mystery device that I talked about last week uh, came in, and it is the Nokia E71. Uh, a lot of you have asked that I check out the Symbian Series 60 operating system, and so I have chosen to do so on the E71 device, and I've had it since Wednesday and uh, have had a, a good chance to use it, of course, during the last half of the work week. And then on a trip here is a good way to kind of experience how a, a phone's going to work for you. So I've been able to try that out. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it later uh, because there is a question about it in the questions and comments. And I uh, also wanted to mention that Joey and I have changed our Twitter names to make them a little bit more uh, synonymous with the cell phone junkie. So if you are following us, you don't have to do anything differently. You've probably actually already noticed that we've changed our names. And you can find us at twitter.com slash tcpj underscore Mickey and tcpj underscore Joey. So that was Joey's idea. I think it's a good one. Makes a little bit more sense, yeah? Yep, it is. A little easier. Yeah, so you can find us and you can see you know, that we're the cell phone junkies and we're talking about phones typically. And, and uh, so, yeah, so we decided to make that change. And if you're not following us, make sure you head over to twitter.com, sign up for an account and check it out. It's a really fun service. Uh, and lastly, before we get into the news, I wanted to mention that uh, I have been also testing out another device this weekend here in Minnesota, and that is the Sony Ericsson TM506 on the T-Mobile network. And this is T-Mobile's first uh, 3G HSDPA-capable device that they have out at this point. And the uh, PR department over at T-Mobile was kind enough to send this one over to me. Just a, a, a brief rundown of this one. Uh, it is available starting this week, I believe, in retail locations. And it's got uh, it's a flip-style phone, which has got your, your typical 12-key QWERTY on it. or Not QWERTY, 12-key keypad on it, numeric keypad. Uh, as far as features, it's got a 2-megapixel camera with video capture that, that seems to work uh, very well. Uh, it's got some, some limited PIM functionality for address book and uh, calendar functions and also has email on it if you're looking to get either IMAP or POP access to your email. Uh, but the, the big selling point on this one is that it's got the uh, tri-band uh, GSM, so 850, 1900, and then, or excuse me, yeah, 1900, and then 1800 for international support, and then it's dual-band UMTS on the 1700 uh, AWS spectrum that T-Mobile has for here in the U.S., and then if you're using it outside of uh, the United States, you can use it on the 2100 megahertz band. And it uh, so far, you know, just this weekend, I, I asked to get it because Minneapolis was the one of the first cities that rolled out the network, and it seems to work just fine. I haven't really had... Um, 
honestly a, a much different experience than I would with any other normal phone. I mean, I know, Joey, you've had a chance to kind of look at it, and um, it does have GPS. It is kind of a, a nice phone that way, but, uh, you know, it's it doesn't have any sort of uh, notification on the screen that says that it's on a 3G network, so it was a little bit uh, difficult for me to, to really tell when it was and when it wasn't on the network unless I went into the, the settings and took a look as to see what it was what it was on. Um, but overall, it, it sounds great. Uh, the speeds on the limited web browser seem to be okay. Um, I, they're, they're fast. They certainly you know, load things quickly, but it's not like I'm watching video on it. So No, it's really hard to tell unless you do have the, uh, you know, have the, the thing up for the 3G notification, which it doesn't show on the home screen, which is kind of surprising because mm-hmm. almost every phone does. Um, I, I, it's got the standard Sony Ericsson interface, so it's very nice and easy to use. Yeah, got the is it the Telenav service on it. Yep. We pulled that up when we were out on the boat today, and it showed us in the middle of the water. So yep. that, that was good. It was right. <laughs> yep. Uh, but it, you know, it, it's got some decent video recording on it, and like I said, the camera is is fairly nice on it as well. And you can take advantage of the newer, uh, obviously, voice network for calling on it with the three G, the the HSDPA on there. So that does does make it make it nice. But other than that, um, I would say if someone's looking for just a standard flip style device, not looking for anything with a lot of you know fancy features on it. This one's got enough to keep you keep you comfortable when it comes to things like you know taking and, and sending and receiving picture messages and video and the GPS for navigation. In fact, I heard this week a very interesting statistic, and that was that 40% of all phones that are are um, manufactured and sold today are now GPS enabled. So this is a trend I think we're definitely going to be seeing as we move into the future. So. But uh, I will be doing a more formal review on this in the upcoming week, the Sony Ericsson TM506 from T-Mobile, the first HSDPA handset on their network. So let's get in right into the news here this week. And the first thing we wanted to talk about is the iPhone 3G. And it's been in the news that there have been issues, of course, with the, the 3G version of the device. And over the over the course of its two months of life here, a lot of people have tried to point fingers at one thing or another as far as what they thought was the cause of the problems. And a magazine called Roughly Drafted has claimed to uh, have some inside sources on the reasons behind the problems on the phone's dropping calls and slow data speeds. So the, the first thing we wanted to mention was that why does the iPhone 3G seem to drop a lot of calls? And the source says that uh, in the UMTS network, the power control is key to the mobile and network's su- success. If the uh, UE, which stands for user equipment, requires too much downlink power, then the base station, or node B, can run out of transmitter power, and this is what is happening. As you get more U- uh, UEs on the cell, the noise floor raises, and the cell has to compensate by ramping up its power uh, to the user's equipment. Now, that seems to make sense. Yeah, it really does. I don't know technically about the cell phone towers, but if that's how they operate it, then that's exactly what would happen. Mm-hmm. So what, what's that going to mean to you know, the average person? Drop calls? That, yeah, exactly. Um, kind of like what we experienced with Sprint back, uh, back in, what, 99, 2000, mm-hmm. when they were going through a lot of growth. And uh, in Tempe, Arizona there, I, I couldn't hold a call for more than uh, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's the longest call I could ever make because it would drop out. And it would, the the signal would get uh, kind of scratchy and you know digitized until it would drop, mm-hmm. and I couldn't hold a call. It just wouldn't work. And I called and complained. Of course, you get the standard answer where oh oh, there's nothing wrong. You you have to be outdoors for the phone to work. And then sure enough, uh, I don't know, a month later, two months later, never dropped a call again. 
Hmm. What do you think they did? Hmm. Maybe added some added some capacity. capacity. Yep. yep. All right. Well, then moves on to the next question. Why is the iPhone 3G suffering from poor data uh, throughput? And then the answer here is that they say the power control issue will also have an effect on the data data throughput because the higher rate of data uh, uh, will will uh, give more power to the Node B transmitter uh, that it requires to transmit. If the user's equipment has poor power control and are taking more power than is necessary, then it will sap the network's ability to deliver the high-speed data. This is one of the reasons why AT&T has been sending out text messages to get users to persuade them to upgrade to the 2.0.2 software, as in a mixed environment where users are running all of the 2.0 software versions, the power control problems of the .0 and .0.1 uh, softwares will affect the users. So what does that mean? I guess people should be upgrading their software. Yeah, because it may help everybody out. Mm-hmm. It's not the network that is at fault, but the interaction of a bad power control algorithm in the earlier versions of the software. So the sooner everybody is up and running the new software, the better things will potentially be. So so kind of some interesting data that people have put together, and I think it makes makes a lot of sense. Uh, definitely something that hopefully will we'll get, you know, get addressed into the future updates as well so that people are more comfortable with their phones. Yeah, and I, I, I'm still confident that the iPro, iPhone will improve here over time as far as its 3G uh, connection coverage. I mean, it may not, but I, I think it will. I think so, too. I'm hoping it's something that they can address like they're trying to do with the software fixes because, you know, changing out hardware is not cheap, and uh, I know they don't want to do it. So uh, anyway, let's move on here. More th- t- uh, iPhone stuff here. T-Mobile has stated that they have sold more than 120,000 3G iPhones, and this is from on the Deutsche, Deutsche Telekom network, and the wireless business unit says that 120,000 of them have been sold since the launch on July 11th, despite some of the distribution problems uh, one of the chief executives mentioned. And it looks like delivery problems that have left customers waiting for weeks to get their hands on the newer version have been solved, and the backlog would be cleared out by the end of the month. So... Uh, a good number to hear. You know, we've heard a lot about the numbers that have been were sold in just in general, and so it's good to hear that some specific numbers from just one one of the carriers, so we can kind of extrapolate out so what some of the other carriers are getting. Uh, Verizon Wireless is not all that excited about this, of course, as being a carrier that uh, one of the carriers that does not have this phone uh, came out with a an iPhone 3G myth sheet. And so this talks about all the claims that the iPhone, the new iPhone is making, and they talk about really the facts behind them. So this was kind of a a fun story to talk about, and we wanted to mention it because it does bring up some really good points, and uh, most of the listeners to the show will understand most of these, but um, certainly something to arm the the people that are actually selling the phones for Verizon Wireless to know so that if someone asks them a question about something like this, they are equipped to handle them. So the first one is that the iPhone 3G is now twice as fast. And then it says the new 3G iPhone will be twice as fast only where AT&T has 3G coverage. And the 3G markets cover only 40 to 50% of the U.S. population, which is half of the coverage of Verizon Wireless's EVDO Rev8 uh, network. And also, Verizon Wireless's EVDO Rev A covers more than 80% of the U.S. population. 
Secondly, the new 3G iPhone is now half the price. Uh, the phone costs less, but the service costs more. The second generation iPhone was $400 with a two-year contract with $20 a month in a data package. The new 3G iPhone will be $200 with a two-year contract, but now requires a $30 package. They cut the price by $200, but raised the service price by $240. Something, Joey, we've talked about since it was first announced. Yeah, many times. So n- none of this so far is uh, n- untrue. Mm-hmm. Uh, next is that the iPhone data plan covers all data. Uh, there is an assumption that the new iPhone's data package will include all data. It does not. Picks are available by email only. The iPhone's navigation feature does not include audible turn-by-turn directions. And the iPhone can download music only via Wi-Fi or by syncing to a PC, not over the 3G network. These are all things that Verizon Wireless allows. Yeah, and in that uh, that last one there with uh, downloading music over the 3G network, that is a major shortcoming, really, that you can't pick up, you know, iTunes Store, uh, you know, songs from the iTunes Store and get them on your phone over the, the wireless network. That's a that's major. Yeah, I and it, I I don't know, I don't know what else to say about that, but definitely something that. Um, you know, I guess Verizon is, is banking on and, and using that as a, as a feature that their networks cover. And finally, the iPhone 3G data plan includes more data at affordable prices. Uh, and it talks about the new $30 data plan does not contain additional data services. Over the $20 2G version, the new 3G package excludes messaging. Customers must add on a $20 per month messaging package to receive unlimited messages. And Verizon Wireless's premium plans include unlimited messaging with premium 3G data services with audible turn-by-turn directions and over-the-air downloads. So it kind of wraps it all together there just to say, guess what? We do offer a lot more than the iPhone does in many cases. Uh, granted, you're still going to you know, pay some premium prices to get on their network, so keep that in mind if you're interested in looking at Verizon. Yeah, I am kind of surprised that, uh, that Apple or AT&T dropped the included text messages from the uh, $30 data plan. I'm surprised they didn't make it like $32 and include, you know, the 200 text messages. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think they probably figure let's, if it's a 3G device, we'll make it the same as all the other 3G devices and by doing so. And that makes sense too because now the, the device is fully subsidized as well, kind of like a normal cell phone is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does make sense. Well, switching back to reception here quickly, talking about the iPhone 3G's reception issues. Well, a few... Uh, Swedish folks decided to take the iPhone and take a look to see uh, what it really, uh, you know, what it looked like when you put it inside a, I guess, a Faraday cage of sorts here. And what they found was that the phone basically worked just fine. They had this big metal box that they, you know, put the phone inside and then they took uh, a piece of equipment that measured the, the signal strength and how the phone received the signals that were presented to it. And it looks like it's working just fine. So, in a test chamber, the phone seems to work just fine. I don't know, uh, you know, what what exactly the test method they used. I know there's a huge document on it, um, and and again, it could prove the theory that we had the last story or a couple stories ago about the the, the power levels of the towers. Um, and it could be the network issue. It could be the phone when it's uh, you know farther away from the, the base station, not when you're right next to it in a in a in a you know. Uh, noise-free environment yeah i (laughs) and you know to be honest i think that there's a lot of things that could potentially have have caused the problems that everyone has been having with it and i I wouldn't say that their their tests are conclusive by any means because there's obviously real world scenarios that are much different than what they're doing in a test chamber basically all we're getting down to here is that the the issues with the iphone 3g are very subtle there's no clear here's what's wrong with it 
uh, you know, solution to, or, you know, here's what the solution's going to be. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't, I tend to agree with that too. It's hard to, it's hard to explain to someone, especially when you walk into an AT&T store and you're holding a phone there and it's showing full service and you, you know, you, you open up the web browser and it works just fine. And then you, you, you walk out of the store frustrated and you, you go and you start driving down the road and you start dropping calls or your data connection doesn't, you know, give you a real good, good service on it. And it's just, it's very strange. It's certain areas that, that works really well. And it's, it's more than, and I know a lot of people will agree with this, it's more than just the areas that, uh, that all phones have problems in because it's, it just, it, it didn't work well, you know, for me. And so... Anyway, uh, that's on the Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked, if you'd like to hear more about that, which you can find by going to thecellphonejunkie.com. Finally, on the iPhone today, uh, we have a story from uh, Wired, and this was from the Wired blog, where they put together a survey that took into account everybody that was using the iPhone from around the country, and it revealed certain cities where there were major weaknesses in how the phone uh, performed. Certain areas, such as Minneapolis, looks like San Francisco, and portions of, looks, I don't know if this is Denver or Utah, uh, functioned very well, whereas p- places along the East Coast and up in, um, looks like, you know, North Dakota here, or Winnipeg, I can't really tell where that is, uh, had some, some problems with the phones. So there were certain areas where maybe more people purchased them or the AT&T network wasn't built out as well or who knows. Yeah, it's, it, it is kind of hard to tell from that map. And I thought I remember hearing a lot about San Francisco being a bad place for the iPhone. So I'm not sure. It, it, it really, again, it kind of leads to that, that question, well, are just certain iPhones bad, or is it the carrier, or is it a combination of both? Uh, you know, it's, it's, there's, again, there's just no clear answer what's wrong. Well, they had almost 3,000 participants in the survey. Most of them are from the U.S., but they had a number that were in Australia and Canada as well. And it looks like Australia had the slowest average 3G download speeds um, and looks like users in Germany and the Netherlands had the fastest. So, and, and how many uh, were there? There was only sixteen hundred in the U.S. Yeah, that's not that many. No, that's I, not actually a very good sample size for how many phones are out there and how many people have issues. I don't. That's kind of too small of a sample size, really, in my opinion. Mm. Well, if you're interested in reading more about it, you can check out the show notes and, and see what the rest of the service or the results that Wired had to report. Uh, let's see. Next one here. AT&T is offering a new iPhone international roaming plan. Customers looking to travel outside the U.S. with the 3G iPhone can now pay $120 for 100 megabytes of data or $200 for 200 megabytes of data in 67 different countries. The rates are in addition to the normal data plans, which uh, may seem cheap or uh, expensive, but they're actually fairly cheap when you think about how much it costs to, to travel and use data on your phone if you don't have one of these plans. So. It's a great option for the you know people who have the iPhone because it is a quad band phone. So why not have international roaming available if you need it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to be able to use up to you know 100 megabytes of data, that'll certainly not cover everything that you want to do. But if you're traveling and you want to just send and receive email and occasionally browse the web, that's going to cover you no problem. 120 dollars on top of your regular plan. I guess you could probably add it on for a month if you're traveling and then take it off when you're done with it and not come back to a multiple $100 bill that you would have otherwise. Well, the iPhone 3Gs are now outnumbering the originals. The statistics are pretty amazing. Over 6 million iPhones uh, were sold in about the first year that the phone was available. It took 74 days for the first million phones to be sold. Uh, Taken to effect the first weekend that the iPhone 3G was available, a million were sold. 
and anywhere from 750 to 800,000 iPhones are being made each week, looking at about 40 million total phones being sold by the end of this year. So just an amazing amount. Mm-hmm. It certainly is. I, this phone is just unbelievable, and even with its drawbacks and shortcomings that people have found on it, it's still selling like crazy. Well, Hurricane Gustav has hit the U.S. Gulf Coast this weekend, and uh, we, uh, we have some, some information that was provided by the PR departments from each of some of the major carriers. And what it looks like is that uh, Verizon and Sprint have separately issued statements saying that they have spent about $140 million in the Gulf states for the aftermath or uh, after the aftermath of Katrina in in preparation for what's going to happen with future uh, hurricanes. So what they've done are things like adding additional cell sites, uh, portable generators to the cell sites on wheels that they have available, and permanent generators to more than 13,000 of the Sprint locations that will allow for wireless access to the networks in the event of a power outage, which will almost uh, certainly happen after the hurricane passes through. Uh, I believe at this point, as we're recording the show, the hurricane is right on top of New Orleans, and so it'll be uh, probably until next week before we hear what happens with this. But um, it's a lot of m- dollars were invested in these networks to help them to survive these type of disasters and allow people to use the services. Well, and it, uh, from CNN there, it looks like pretty much everybody did evacuate uh, the New Orleans area and the, the Gulf Coast where the, the expected track was. So hopefully uh, nobody other than emergency workers will need to be using the network, at, this, at, at least in this case. So hopefully it stays up for them. Mm-hmm. AT&T already activating plans to set up base camps and tents uh, for its Texas-based repair workers that will be located uh, in New Orleans and other affected areas after the storm passes through. Well, TELUS has been pushing unlimited PC data users over to other plans. Apparently, they're giving 30 days notice to the people who have the unlimited accounts, which include uh, essentially unlimited data for a $65 plan. Well, uh, looks like, or excuse me, the $65 plan is transitioning from an unlimited service to a one gigabyte of data service. So they're really kind of cracking down on, on what they're calling unlimited now. Uh, this one is just, you know, one of, the, one of the first, but certainly not the last that we'll see of the companies that are offering serv- data services that will switch from a quote-unquote unlimited to a capped data plan. And uh, something that we've talked about here with the five gigabyte plans here in the U.S., and expect to see even further, I would guess. Yeah, because it's—I mean, it's—it's it's moved over into the, uh, you know, into the cable internet at home now as well here in the U.S. You've now got a 250 gig uh, limit coming here for Comcast. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be—it's going to be going that direction. But I can completely understand why, and I don't understand why they didn't have caps before, just because everybody—I mean, the writing was on the wall that there's going to be those those handful of users who go way over the 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 average amount of data that most people use so and and they just can't have those people taking advantage of the network that bad yeah got to keep it kind of you know smooth so everyone has good throughputs all the time because otherwise you're going to have unhappy customers exactly and it, it just costs too much then well more caps as orange talks about the caps that they have on their 3g network and it comes after some complaints from the users of the iphone 3g who said that the downloading capacity available to their phones was limited to a maximum of about 400 kilobits per second. This was compared to the 1.8 megabits of the possible T-Mobile uh, German network with the 3G iPhone. Uh, they have said that, uh, that this is not something that's strictly 
geared towards the iPhone, but rather it's a it's a cap that's in place on a lot of their devices for very similar reasons that they want to make sure that everybody's uh, has a quality of service that's similar. And so it, they're saying it's actually pegged at approximately 384 kilobits per second, which is the UMTS uh, cap uh, max that they, that used to have with the UMTS network. So it uh, looks like this is something that um, Orange is, is looking at, and they've decided they will raise the download speed slightly. And uh, by September 15th, which will be uh, two weeks from now, the cap should be at one megabit per second. Well, a motion-powered phone charger could be an interest to someone who's constantly running around with a phone that's dying. And M2E Power is a company that formed last year to charge electronic gadgets with human motion. Uh, it uses a series of, I guess, what, coils and magnets, I guess is the way that this works. Yep. And uh, it says that six hours of cumulative motion can add 30 to 60 minutes of talk time to your phone. Not something that's going to be a replacement for your charger, but certainly would be useful for someone who's out and about. That in emergency situations, mm-hmm. I would imagine if you're you know, out in some place where you do not have power, if you're hiking or, or something like that, and you just need to you know, uh, you know, charge up your device maybe when you're just out, when you're hiking, I suppose, it's the only thing I can really think of that's really effective for it, uh, you get free power. So yeah. uh, it's, it's nothing to really laugh at. Uh, obviously, 30 minutes of talk time isn't very much power for six hours of, of walking. It says it charges the phone at the same rate as a typical AC charger, and so you're going to, you know. I I don't see how that's possible, but (laughs) because, I mean, six hours of of charging is, you know, more than quadruple full for the Centro, so... I, it, I mean, it'll charge to full in a matter of, what, two hours or so? Well, I guess if you were to take it and, and have it so that, that pr- th- this unit was completely charged up, like the, the battery inside of it had charged up its batteries totally, it could you know, pass off that charge over to a phone within the matter of the same time as an AC charger. Well, and that makes sense. That could totally happen. Yeah. I think it's mostly geared towards someone who, could, who has the ability to put this in their pocket uh, or a purse or a backpack or something. And uh, no pricing on it yet, but it also has some military grants that it's using to explore the use of self-powering devices such as night goggles. So, interesting there. Well, Nortel has announced a handoff of an LTE call going at 100 kilometers per hour. They successfully handed off a call using the long-term evolution technology at speeds near 100 kilometers per hour using a prototype network uh, gear from Nortel and a handset from LG. During the handoff test, Nortel was able to continuously stream HD video. The data speeds attained uh, during the handoff reached 10 megabits per second in a 10 megahertz slice of the spectrum. The tests were conducted in Canada, and they expect to have the base stations ready uh, by the end of 2009. Well, if you're someone who is gets fed up with having to go through the automated systems when you call a, a, a customer service line or a company to try and ask them a question or get something handled. Dial-A-Human could be your answer. They're offering a, uh, a sheet of codes that allow you to bypass the phone trees and get you right to a live operator. The databases is very much similar to gethuman.coms. Uh, however, it also gives a, a, a you know the ability to do some different things as far as you know, different different options. If you can't get through one way, you can try it in another way. Uh, it has direct dial for human customer service representatives at over 600 companies. Good way to save your cell phone minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't have to wait on there as you're trying to figure. And, and save from pulling your hair out. Uh. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
All right. Well, an early termination fee class action lawsuit occurred with, I believe it was Sprint a couple of months back. And this one now, uh, another one popping up here with T-Mobile USA. They've been hit with a class action lawsuit over early termination fees, uh, complaining uh, among the costly uh, fees that are charged when someone leaves a contract early. Uh, the Through a uniform scheme and a common course of conduct, a defendant ch- uh, charged the plaintiff and other customer early termination fees of $200 per handset if they canceled the service. And uh, this looks like it's going to a U.S. district court in New Jersey. So we'll keep on top of this one to see what happens with T-Mobile because um, it looks like it was, yeah, it was Sprint Nextel, and they were ordered to pay just over $18 million and provide credit of $54.75 million to current users who were charged for services uh, for, for the fees that they were charged. Wow. Yes. Uh, U.S. text messaging activity broke uh, another record. This is from the VeriSign uh, Corporation based out of Mountain View, California. They said they delivered 95.4 billion intercarrier text messages in the first half of 2008. It's establishing a new record for text messaging activity during the period. They also reported a single-day record of 648 million and a one-hour record of 42 million messages. That's a lot of text messages. Wow. That's really, that, that's so many. Yeah, it looks like it's expected to continue to grow into the future. And uh, so, uh, you know, people keep using the messages and, um, you know, they seem to work, even in planes sometimes. That's right. Yes. I, uh, I do have to say, Mickey, it's nice having a phone with SMS finally, since I've, this is, the Centro's the, my first one, so. It's amazing, though. I mean, we were talking about this, that GSM devices have really had, you know, SMS was Always. a functionality of them forever. And it wasn't until the last few years where Verizon and Sprint have really kind of gotten on that bandwagon. And when they did, you couldn't even send them outside of your carrier for the longest time. Exactly. It was only in your carrier you could use the SMS messages. And my last two phones, the Samsung A500, did not have SMS support. And the i500 did not have it either. So uh, up until I got the Centro, I did not, I could not uh, SMS even. I, I kind of could with the i500. Um, somebody wrote an app that would actually deliver text messages out of it. Uh, but receiving them, I would never be able to tell who they were from. They always said unknown, uh, number. So it, it kind it really didn't work very well. Yeah. It's one of those things you just, you wondered why it took them so long to get it. But you know, the, the technology is increasing very quickly. And as Sprint has, you know, launched the, basically the fastest, uh, EVDO revision a network moving towards their new network, which is the Zome WiMAX network, looking to launch the service starting next month. So if you've been waiting for it, it's starting next month in Baltimore, and will be followed by that within uh, sometime in the fourth quarter in Chicago and Washington, D.C. And it looks like it will have some also some location-based features on it as well, which certainly uh, makes a little bit of sense. You can do some different, um, uh, you know, you know, finding out where you are and stuff like that. I guess I mean, triangulation. I don't. I don't know. A lot it about must this. be what it is. I, I don't quite understand what it means either by that. But it'll be. Uh, it, it it looks like they're they're. You know, the the first reports we were hearing were that it was going to be kind of a network design for when you're parked at your house, mm-hmm. not for being out on the road. But I think they're quickly learning here that uh, they've got to keep that mobile based. Um, you know, the, the structure to it where, where you can be mobile with it. Otherwise, they'll probably lose out on a lot of potential customers. Well, the location services will be able to be used with all sorts of different devices, including laptops, 
uh, MIDs, the mobile internet devices, media players, cameras, and even car navigation. So it's going to be more than just you know a, a phone or you know like a data card. There's going to be all sorts of different things that they're hoping to to kind of get this into. Yeah, and you know they probably really realized here over the past six months since we probably read that story about them. Oh, we're just going to keep it for your home, you know, your home uh, connection. They realize that there's no money left in that. So let's do something mobile where we can where having a wireless network actually makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> so you can use it for multiple different things. Uh, some of the services that will be available from the Zoom portal will be Ulocate Communications, which uh, will be uh, well, the backbone of the service will provide the Where platform for friend finding. Uh, topics will be a news aggregation site. Uh, Google will have the Google Maps functionality and other local search. Open Wave systems, which will allow for uh, the Zoom partners to use the location and provide services. And the Autodesk, which will provide a standards-based interface and geospatial services, such as addresses and zip codes, to enhance location within the Zoom network. Uh, so anyway, uh, looks like we'll be seeing a little bit of that coming up here next month. Well, a uh, judge has decided that Qualcomm has violated the Broadcom ruling from earlier in the year. And looks like the uh, on Thursday, the company's had a federal judge rule that Qualcomm is in contempt of an injunction that bans the use of patented uh, technologies that are owned by Broadcom. The U.S. D judge James Salina, uh, or excuse me, uh, Siana, or, no, it's Sel Selna, ruled that Qualcomm violated an injunction issued last year that banned Qualcomm from using technology in the chips that violates Broadcom's patents on the wireless technology and also ruled that Broadcom has not been paying the royalties to Broadcom for the use of the technology in the Qualcomm-based cell phones with QChat walkie-talkie features. Uh, bad news for Qualcomm here. It just doesn't seem to be getting good, any better for them. No, they, they're continuously uh, here in court. And, uh, I wonder if they do anything uh, other than uh, court uh, proceedings here, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I have to imagine that at some point it's going gonna, it's gonna to stop and they're not going to be able to continue doing what they're doing without having to pay some pretty hefty fines. Yeah, and yeah, either that or they're going to be shut down at this rate because, I mean, you can't continue to just trounce over other patents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, anyway, uh, this is this is a story that I don't really feel has, has we've seen the end of it and, um, you know, something is going to happen here in the next, uh, in, in the near future that's going to allow us to, uh, to have a decision on this. But, uh, yeah, so we'll have to see what happens with this one. Uh, next here, Mexicans are using cell phones to pay for the uh, bills that they have in stores and also for taxis. They will soon be able to do so with their mobile phones, and the country's banks are a part of this. Telephone operators Telefonica and uh, Cell uh, are teaming up with some of the big banks, such as Citigroup, to launch a service marketed as the, being the first in the technology savvy market of the teenager and expected to debut over the next few years. They will have the ability to link their bank account with their cell phone and then participating stores, restaurants, and taxis uh, will be able to receive a text message from the user and then charge the account for the service. Very unique and uh, very, I guess, trendy as far as the services that are available. And so I'll be interested to see if this one takes off and uh, goes anywhere here, say, in the U.S., I think uh, well, I think we'll be seeing this uh, over you know a period of few years, five years. I think we'll start to see this uh, trickle in because we've got the uh, boarding passes coming, um, and just 
the amount of saturation of people having a cell phone is just increasing every day. Mm-hmm. And once it reaches that critical mass, then it, it'll start becoming available, I believe. I hope so. I think it's really kind of neat that they're that they're allowing this. I mean, there was, I believe it was Japan who had the, the RFIDs tags in their devices and used to, you wave it over at a check stand and you used to be able to purchase that way. Uh, this seems to be a little bit more... Uh, let's just say ubiquitous. You can use it with any phone. You don't have to have a specialized phone to do so. And well, like it, it, you know, it seems like me. I'll have my cell phone over my wallet half the time. I'll remember to grab that, but I won't remember the wallet. <laughs> cell phones much, uh, much more critical. Speaking of, I don't know where my wallet is. I'm just kidding. It's with my phone. <laughs> <laughs> with your phone. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's move on here. Talk about the Google Application Store. It's going to be called. Android Market, I guess, and there's there's some uh, some leaked photos of it, and Google is also revealing further details of it. Any previously hinted store that's going to sell uh, software and different applications for the Android operating system, similar to the Apple iPhone Store, and uh, the portal is going to be hosted by Google and is created to give third-party developers a common and easily accessible location to sell their applications. Um, However, unlike Apple's screen content, the company plans to open uh, an open and unobstructed environment where apps are not banned for legal content or functions. That's interesting. Well, that's pretty much the way Google usually works with their, uh, with their stuff. But, I mean, I can't imagine them not limiting some of the apps depending on what's going on. But, I mean, maybe they will just post whatever on there. And I guess maybe, uh, maybe it'll be based more on user ratings. Of the of the the apps, whether people find them useful and and you know appropriate, they'll probably go higher up in the rankings depending mm-hmm. on you know what people click. I like this. I like this. Uh, basically, probably how they do their search rankings right now. If you look for you know a contact software or, or some you know enhancement, whatever people seem to like the most will probably be what's at the top of the list. Yeah, and they're going to sort it just like they do in in iTunes with um, you know different different kind of categories and different ways to do different things and. Um, you're right with the stars. I mean, that'll make a lot of sense. And <clears throat> if you can tell if it's a free application or, or something else. Mm-hmm. So. Yep, that'll be a good one. Uh, anyway, we'll talk about an Android phone here in just a little bit. Um, but before then, Cricket adding a $5 video download service. They've announced that uh, this will be this video plan can be added to select Cricket phones, giving users access to unlimited video clips, uh, averaging between one and four minutes, and can be accessed through the WAP browser on the phone. So if you've got Cricket, maybe worth your five dollars to check that one out. Smartphone sales are expected to jump fifty-two percent this year, up to one hundred and ninety million units. And this is uh, according to a report from the Gartner Research uh, Corporation. And they're expecting the smartphone market to grow strongly with the royalty-free operating systems like Symbian, Android, and Linux pushing deeper down into the product portfolios that are offered. Uh, Apple's iPhone isn't huge in sales volume, but it helped energize the market. People are now walking into stores asking for smartphones, something that they haven't seen in the past. Uh, Looking forward into 2012, they're expecting sales to reach more than $700 and $1.8 in the handset market. So... Well, we've got a lot nicer devices out there for the smartphones, other than you know the, the standard Blackberries and the standard uh, you know the trios uh, of years past. I mean, now we've got some you know the likes of the Central, which are consumer level devices. The the Pearls are consumer level now uh, for Blackberry. Uh, you know, the new HTC devices are uh, nice looking and easy to use, uh, way more than they ever used to be for Windows Mobile. 
Uh, the cues are out there at a good price. Uh, there's so much more uh, down in the consumer realm now versus just the enterprise. So, I, I mean, I think it's just going to keep increasing. Yeah. Well, on the flip side, though, it looks like mobile phone se- phones are seeing slower growth. Uh, the economic slowdown is certainly hurting sales of pretty much every good, and the phone is, is, uh, is not immune from that. About 304 million mobile phones were sold in the second quarter, which is a 12% jump from a year earlier. Um, still, it's a slowdown from the second quarter of 2007, where uh, the number of mobile phones uh, jumped 21% from the year earlier. So they're still seeing growth. They're just not seeing as high of growth as they have in the past. So, um, yeah, anyway, this is Wall Street Journal stats. It, I wonder if it's market saturation or if it's just uh, or just um, just happen to be down a little bit. Yeah, I, I can see a lot of people you know, thinking twice before buying another phone right now. You look at your phone and you go... You know, hey, this thing is is fine. I don't necessarily need a new phone right now. So because you know, saturation could be it. But I mean, over the past few years, how many people do you know who didn't have a cell phone before all of a sudden has one now? I mean, I, I can't think of too many people. So I I don't know if the market. I think the market's probably been saturated for a while. Mm. So it probably is people dragging out buying a new phone longer. Yeah, do you, but would you would you look at would you look at a new phone as necessarily something that, I mean, for most people, it's kind of like an upgrade. Like, it's time to, you know, I need something with email now, you know, or whatever. So I, The phones have been so good now for quite some time, maybe they don't see the need to get a new phone yet because uh, the phone they bought two years ago has all the features they want, whereas five years ago, the phones did nothing for the most part. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden with the the cheapest cheapest things you can buy on any of the carriers right now, they play music, they play everything. And now people probably have all those music playing devices and and kind of, you know, easy to SMS devices. They don't need anything now. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there that just I think take it take for granted how how popular their phones are um, you know, like me. I mean, I just I, I continuously, you know, try and upgrade and do new things and um, I don't know uh, anyway, it'll be interesting to, to see if that trend continues and if it is the economy and once the economy changes and switches over back to, you know, uh, a, a more, you know, a, a better economy and, and if people are starting to buy more. Uh, Europeans, however, have said that they are going to lower roaming charges and this is by some legislation that they have just passed. Uh, here in the U.S., obviously, there are no legal limits on what the carriers can charge for roaming. However, uh, the European Union introduced caps on what the carriers are allowed to charge uh, when users are roaming throughout the EU. The current limit is 49 euro cents per minute for outgoing calls, which is about 72 US cents. It is being reduced to 46 euro cents, and incoming calls currently uh, may be billed at up to 24 euro cents, and that is being dropped down to 22 euro cents. So if you're uh, in the U, uh, the uh, anywhere in, in Europe, that's probably the EU, uh, this went into effect yesterday, August 31st, and the uh, European Council wants the EU to impose a cap on SMS roaming about 11 to 15 euro cents so we will see if that one happens as well Um, but good news i guess for the people that are roaming throughout europe your prices have just gotten a little bit lower rogers has announced a new data plan and looks like some uh folks up in canada are going to be excited about it Uh, october 1st is the date and it looks like uh, rogers and fido will launch plans that will be 15 dollars for two megabytes 25 dollars for 500 megabytes $30 $30 for a gig, $60 for three gigs, and an $80 eight gigabyte plan. They will apply to smartphones, data cards, tethering, and, of course, BlackBerry devices. 
these also these freedom of data plans and uh, had a $100 data charge maximum SMS data alerts will let subscribers know before when and after they've emptied the bucket that they have per month so uh, some different things that they're doing with their plans sounds like a, a two megabyte though that's awfully low uh, yeah that <laughs> I guess that would be for someone who just does regular email that's all you do yeah, no attachments whatsoever Nothing. yep I, I think that would make it would that make that would probably make you through a month maybe Maybe. Would Maybe. Five, average of five kilobits per message-ish. Yeah. Not much. Not much at all. No. That you can download that on two attachments a lot of times, you know? Yeah. Oh, no <laughs> problem. I mean, a lot of digital pictures are two megabytes. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on to some devices here. We've got first the HTC S740 was officially announced from HTC. This is kind of like the Diamond... Uh, Pro. The, yeah, the Diamond touch Pro. Pro. Touch, touch Pro. Touch Pro with no touch. They just call it the Pro. <laughs> just call it the Pro. <laughs> anyway, it's it's got very similar features to the Touch Pro. Uh, it's a hundred and uh, let's see here, 140 grams. Uh, the size is a little bit longer, um, but about the same as far as width and then depth. And it's got uh, you know it's a European phone, so it's it's only got the bands for H or uh, yeah the HSDPA 3G networks overseas. Uh, and then just quad band. Well, the uh, the Touch Pro doesn't have the uh, ten key keypad on the front, does it? That's why it's longer. Got it. that, mm-hmm. That's that's what this thing is doing. Is it's it's taking away the touch screen and adding in this twelve key keypad on the bottom. So it's more like just a regular candy bar phone. But when you actually want to text on it and you want to get into a QWERTY, you can you can do so, I guess. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, it's got. Am I saying? Am I talking about this right? No, this one does. No, it does. Yeah, slide out QWERTY. Yep. Right there. Yeah. The one thing that I, I thought was interesting about this one is that it's this this enter button kind of got to me when I first saw the pictures of it because there's um, it, it's this this large enter button which I guess is kind of how keyboards are on a on a you know regular keyboard regular keyboard but it's just it's for the the small real estate on the phone. Um, anyway, the other specs on it include. Um, like I said, HSDPA, a 3.2 megapixel camera, 6.1 standard operating system, um, and uh, looks like 256 megs of flash and, and RAM and with a micro SD expansion slot, uh, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, GPS, 1,000 milliamp hour battery. So took it back down a little bit from the Touch Pro, which I think was 1,300, uh, but it's still up from the Diamond, which was 950. So Anyway, this is a, a, a good phone for those that are looking at a, a, a diamond-style device or a device that's a little bit thinner and a little bit more sleek but don't need the touchscreen on it. All right, next here we've got the Nokia N95 and, or excuse me, N79 and N85. I somehow put those numbers together. Uh, not a lot of surprises here. We had talked about these in the past and uh, just a, a, you know, a couple of newer slider devices from Nokia. Um, you know, nothing... To the to the extent of uh, you know that really is newsworthy, other than they're finally now available, uh, 2.6 inch screens, GPS, five megapixel cameras, uh, N-gauge capability, stuff like that. So for those that are interested in the Nokia, those launched this week, and um, uh, we'll see when they hit the stores. Uh, hopefully, uh, stateside here in the probably by the end of the year. The Nokia N96 has been announced in a North American version. Uh, nothing for pricing has been determined on it, but it will be available in the fourth quarter. So if you want an upgrade for your N95, you can do so later this year. 
The Nokia 6650 Flip is coming to AT&T and will be the replacement for the N75. It looks like it's going to have GPS and 3G as well as a 2-megapixel camera and, of course, email and messaging capabilities. Uh, this one is looks like AT&T, obviously, is the carrier and um, don't have a date on this one yet either, but will be uh, for those that are interested in the Nokia devices, this one uh, does have some of the extra features on it that you've uh, known to love with it. The Samsung i770 and the U810 are, uh, looks like, getting some more traction for Verizon. The third quarter device lineup has been released from Verizon, and those two are both on it. The i770 is similar to, uh, like, the blackjacks in the styling of it, front-facing QWERTY keyboard with EVDO Rev A, uh, CDMA phone, of course, because it's on Verizon, but it also has... Uh, GSM functionality in it for the world roaming capabilities to make a pixel camera, Wi-Fi, and all that other stuff. Now, so, is that a Windows mobile phone, or is that just a Samsung OS phone? Um, I'm guessing this is, is a Windows mobile That's phone. That's what I, because, I mean, it's, it would be comparable to the uh, Sprint uh, Samsung Ace, because mm -hmm. uh, being a global phone. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't really say on this particular list. No, and it also on here, they've got this uh, SCHU810, the Samsung here. This one has got uh, EVDO and GSM in it as well. They're, they're kind of starting to roll out all these global devices that are hopefully going to entice people to stick with Verizon if they were looking for a phone that uh, allowed them to take it overseas. Obviously, the BlackBerry 8830 has been one of our recommendations for quite a while. We really enjoy this device, and it seems to work um, really well for international roaming. Um, so anyway, so... They've got, uh, they've got some information on these uh, on the Engadget mobile website that you can check out if you're interested in reading up more on those. Motorola bringing a yellow Moto Active W450 over to T-Mobile. This is a your standard, looks almost like a Crazer styling uh, as far as a flip Motorola phone that has got, uh, looks like uh, uh, some, some very basic features on it, including text messaging, uh, 1.3 megapixel camera, picture messaging, Bluetooth, and a memory card slot. Looks like 30 to $50 when it finally launches and uh, will be available, like I said, on T-Mobile. Uh, the BlackBerry Storm is now going to be the BlackBerry Thunder. So look for the... This is based off of a, uh, a screenshot of a, um, of a box that looks like it's being designed for the BlackBerry. Uh, the Storm is obviously the device... Uh, that is going to be the first full touchscreen BlackBerry for the uh, for the, the company out of Waterloo, Canada, and this one will have a SIM card with it, so it's going to be a global device as well. Looks hopefully like a September launch launch, possibly move back to October, depending on what you read. Next is the BlackBerry Bold on AT&T. We've talked about this in the past, and AT&T we know is going to be the first carrier in the U.S. to pick up this 3G BlackBerry. And it's been uh, rumored for a September release. Looks like that may be pushed out to October. So keep your eye on the BlackBerry rumor sites for information on when that one's going to be finally available. Well, it seems like all the new Blackberries are being pushed back, pushed back. I mean, because weren't they supposed to be out in August, a lot of these? Yeah, we heard, you know, August, September, and, you know, now it is September, and there seems to be no, like, firm date in sight, which we w usually would have known by now. Exactly. So they're, you know, I really wouldn't look real confident for any of these new BlackBerry devices. The Storm, the Thunder, the Bold, the, it, it seems like they're all kind of running behind. Yeah. Well, it looks like it was first announced back in May, and so this is, you know, how many months later now? It's, it's, God, it had to have been before May. 
Was it before May? Well, at least the rumors had to be before May. The rumors were, and I think they finally announced it, that it was a device in May. May, okay. And and that's still a long time uh, from announcing it to actually getting out the door. Yeah, people are starting to kind of forget about it a little bit now. Exactly. And And just, uh, you know, you're almost... By the time you get the device out, then people are waiting for the next one, mm-hmm. and you you you, you can kind of constantly chase your tail if you're uh, if you you know announce something before it's available. Because what happens is nobody buys your current BlackBerry because you keep going. Well, oh, I don't need to replace my eighty eight thirty because I'll just keep waiting for this bold to come out sometime or who knows or, when. Yeah, yeah, or or not buy a BlackBerry because I'm going to keep waiting for this new one to come out. So, um, yeah, watch. I don't know what they're doing. Well, and this one too is is obviously going to be very popular because it's got the first with 3G and has both GPS and Wi-Fi, which we haven't seen up until now. So I think a lot of people will like it, but um, absolutely, it will be a really nice upgrade because we haven't really seen anything new from BlackBerry in quite a while. At least, while. at least anything real, real revolutionary. We've had a couple of pearls and a few little consumer-based devices mostly, but. Yeah, it's been a while since anything like this has come out. So I, I'm really hoping that they get they get a good, um, you know, they get it in good. So get it right instead of have, having it uh, fail miserably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, the Xperia X1 is another Windows mobile device that people have been talking about, and it looks like this one is on the the plans for a delay as well too. And this one at this point, um, I really hope we still see it. That's all I have to say because it was at first a second half of 2008 and. Granted, we're still in the second half of 2008, but um, looks like they're saying now December or maybe even January is what they're looking at now. That's what the Sony reps have confirmed uh, to uh, this Engadget story here. Well, and we talked about this one, uh, what, last week, I think, or the week before. I think it was last week, but it, it's it's something that, are we ever going to see this one? <laughs> I mean, because it's already been eclipsed by a lot of the uh, the, the Touch Diamonds and the Touch Pros and all this, uh, and all those devices, uh, they'll be long since out, and, and this basically has the same specs as those. So, mm-hmm. I mean, back when this was announced, when was this, January? This was, yeah, this was almost a year ago. Uh, uh, well, s- nine months. Nine, nine months. So, uh, they're just way too late on this one. Uh, and, and what was the, 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 the story we heard recently that Sony Ericsson's kind of getting out of the Windows? This will, this will be the last Windows Mobile? This is the last hurrah, I think, yeah. Yeah, last Windows Mobile of Sony Ericsson. So, I mean, why bother release it at this point? I don't know. In my opinion, because they're going to be so late to the game. Try and make a few bucks on it because they know they can? That could be. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway, we'll see if that one ever actually does come out, <laughs> I guess, is the way we'll look at that one right now. Uh, Rogers has talked about the BlackBerry Kickstart 8220, and it has gotten pricing now. It's $150 on a three-year contract. So if you're interested in this one, you can uh, you know, start looking at that for probably later this month. Okay, all I have to say is when am I going to get the central, st- the, the central kick? <laughs> <laughs> the I, central kick? I want the clamshell back. Yeah, I know you do. And, and you had a great point is looking at the i500 versus the Centro keyboards same size the exact same size they could easily fit that you know the the qwerty keyboard the 26 key or whatever number of keys this is into the size of the i500 well we can petition palm and say here's an i500 here's a Centro just make them you know yep. together yep. put them together and we'll call them good anyway but uh kickstart uh, looks like 150 bucks so decent price point if you're uh, on the Rogers network and you're willing to sign up for a 3 year contract uh, the FCC finally approved the HTC Touch Cruise North American model with 3G in it. Uh, very, very, uh, I would say, uh, you know, over 
uh, overextended as far as the timing on this one. I figured this one would have happened a long time ago. I know the the 3G versions have been available for import over the past, I don't know, year. Uh, I know Jerry at Mobility Today, this is the phone that he uses and the one that he's constantly, you know, said, hey, where's my Windows Mobile 6.1 upgrade for this phone as they're upgrading all the other phones that are out there. So uh, touch screws is very much like the uh, the touch and then you just kind of add the buttons on the bottom of it, similar to what the Touch Diamond has. So just another variant in the HTC family, I guess. And this is a GSM device? GSM, yep. Uh, quad band uh, GSM, and then looks like a, a dual band HSDPA. Pro I would guess maybe tri-band. It doesn't spe specify it, but I'm guessing 2100 is in there too, I would think. So um, anyway, but the HTC Android uh, devices, or excuse me, the HTC Dream uh, has been selected as the first Android device to be released, and T-Mobile, we know, is going to be the network for that. Uh, so a, a number of pictures got released this week, and I wanted to briefly mention kind of what these look like, because it's very uh, very interesting that the, the, the styling that they've decided to go with this, and they're, they're fairly clear as far as, as what we can see on it. Uh, but it's a similar form factor to something like uh, the Titan or the Tilt or any of the HTC devices that have the slide-out screen that reveals a QWERTY keypad underneath, with one exception, and that's that there's this expanse at the bottom that has the send and end home and back keys on it that is doesn't slide with it. So it's kind of like a half slider. Um, my comments about it in the styling is that I've used the slider keyboards in the past, of course, and I, I get a little, I think it's going to be a little uncomfortable to have the, the sizes different at either side. Well, the, your right your right thumb won't have very easy access to like the enter key and the L key and the P key and the zero key because you'll have a, a an edge that you'll mm -hmm. have to kind of reach over um, unless you use it more like this, I suppose, with your thumbs down. Maybe that's what the intention is. Yeah. Maybe you won't be actually using it with your thumb off to the right, uh, but it kind of looks that way at least. It'll kind of depend on the size. Um, you know, looking at it compared to like the. Uh, this is like the t the Tilt or the 6800 series HTC devices. Okay. The Titan, maybe. Titan or Titan yeah, 2 mogul. size. Yeah, the mobile yep. size. It's about the same. Yeah, it's so, actually a little taller from that picture. So it's, it's pretty big, pretty hefty looking thing. Yeah, there's going to be some, some definite... Um, some, uh, it's either going to be really comfortable or it's not. Like they've either designed it in a way that I guess is going to be okay. But uh, I don't know. It's interesting for me to at least look at it and see... Uh, you know, what they've done you with know, it. And I have a question here. Is this T-Mobile US or T-Mobile in uh, like Germany? I believe this is T-Mobile US because T-Mobile is the uh, it, it's the, the Google Android operating system. So I believe this is launching here. Here, is it not? I, mean, I, I honestly, I don't know. Yeah, I, that's how I, would, how I would guess it because it is a Google product. Um, Looks like this confirms that the, the FCC documents that shown that this version uh, would be headed to T-Mobile is, in fact, uh, probably correct. I'm guessing it's going to be the T-Mobile US. Um, that's just my thought on it, but you're, it's, it is kind of funky. We're looking at it next to pictures of phones that are not US phones, so it's a good point. All right, well, let's move on here and talk about a Sprint roadmap that revealed this week, the launch of the Touch Pro and the Touch Diamond dates and pricing for Sprint looks like uh, confirming that the Touch Pro will be out in October. October 19th looks like the date at $579 for the suggested retail price without rebates or um, subsidies. And then the Touch Diamond will be mid-September, and that one is $550. And we'll talk a little bit more about that when we have a, a firm date on it. 
into some software today. The AT&T Tilt uh, 6.1 ROM has been uh, finally released. We talked about it last week. It is available now, so you can go and get it from HTC's site. Um, so that's good to note. And uh, next we have the Windows Mobile 6.1 update for the VX6800 for Verizon. And then finally the Samsung Blackjack 2 after a much-weighted uh, uh, time period, I know for a lot of people, is finally getting the 6.1 treatment as well. Uh, and then uh, also the Motorola Q Global, so the unlocked version of the Q9, the Q Global, is gotten 6.1 as well. So there's a lot of different phones getting 6.1 upgrades this week, so if you've got any of those phones, make sure you check out our links so you can go and get it. And the usual Verizon stat, uh, Verizon uh, fashion there, they keep the GPS uh, unavailable of that's in the do. hardware of the uh, 6800. Hmm. Unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway. Well, the uh, Android phone, it, 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 that's right, we had talked about this before, and it does have the 1700 megahertz uh, 3G band in there, so it's probably T-Mobile USA. Yeah, I don't see what else they would have it for. <laughs> I mean, that's that seems to make the most sense. So that, well, that that's good though. That's good to hear that they're planning for a three G network with them. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, next here, documents to go uh, for the Windows Mobile Professional Edition is now available. It has been released for uh, creating, viewing, editing native Word, Excel, and PowerPoint files, and the first and only commercial available mobile office suite for full support for editing and creating Microsoft Office 2007 and 2008 files and attachments. Uh, so you can go in through here and, and check out all the different features that it has, but it looks like it's pretty, pretty well featured uh, as far as an operating system. Not operating system, but a, a suite of applications for, uh, for Office. So, All right, uh, next here, the iPhone has a security flaw that has been exposed. This uh, software, or the flaw in the software, allows anyone to bypass the password locking feature of the iPhone and get access to the phone's favorites menu. Uh, once in the favorites menu, other parts of the phone can be accessed, such as mail, Safari, and SMS. This flaw negates the password lock feature and exposes users' data to anyone with knowledge of the method to get past the password lock. A temporary solution has been discovered, however. In the iPhone settings menu, click on General, then click the Home button, and then click either Home or iPod. Choosing one of these two options will prevent someone from accessing the Favorites menu and keep most of the user's data safe. Uh, so this is something that was brought up this past week and a little bit scary, but it looks like they are got like a workaround here. For and it. wasn't, uh, didn't Steve Jobs announce that that would be fixed in September? He did. He's, okay. Among other things, this is what, well, this will be in 2.1. So that will be, uh, but anyway, in the meantime, make sure you make that fix to keep your phone from uh, getting hacked. If you, if you lock it. If you lock it, yes. Yeah, if you password protect it, it otherwise, don't bother. Yeah, because it doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, well, uh, Microsoft Sync Toy version 2.0 is out. And this is, uh, at first I saw it, I didn't really think much of it, but it's actually a really good uh, piece of software for us to talk about. And it's a way to manage the files as they're getting transferred to and from your mobile device. Uh, Microsoft's Power Toy, uh, Power, or, excuse me, Sync Toy, uh, has been upgraded from version 1.4 to 2.0, can manage multiple files from different locations and allow you to customize the moving of them from back and forth between your computer. So what is this useful? A good way for uh, probably listening to a podcast to keep your, your phone up to date with what's uh, been recently downloaded on your computer. And it's really good for uh, you know documents you edit frequently. 
um, you know, you want to keep up to date with a particular file that you may edit in both places, maybe not at the same time, but you know, you sometimes edit on your phone, sometimes edit at your, uh, on your desktop. So it's probably a pretty handy, handy little, uh, file manager. Yeah, I think so. And it's free. Can't beat the price. Exactly. All right. Well, let's see here. Next we've got, uh, what do we have next here, Joey? Oh, there we go. Turo 800W and USB battery charging update. Palm has released an update for the Trio 800W, and this is designed to resolve USB headset and sync cable detection issues. It also applies a fix for the battery charging, and it says in some cases a completely discharged battery may not get fully topped up, uh, and so you can download the update from the link in the site here, and it can be installed over the air by visiting palm.com slash 800W USB OTA directly on the device. Uh, next here, a good way to see the free space on your Windows mobile device. And James Borman has come up with a neat way to see the free space by launching a program. It shows you how much space each program is taking up uh, by a series of blocks. Now, I, 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 I don't honestly see a, a real great use for it, but I guess it is kind of neat to, to look at. Just visually appealing. Yeah, it looks like it takes a little while for it to first load, uh, but it is free. So another one that you can load and check and see what's on your Windows mobile device. Uh, TiltMobility.com is who had the link here, so thanks to them for posting this one. M-Ocean, a formerly $30 application for the Palm operating system, has been reduced, reduced permanently to $10 for the full version. It is a, an iPod emulating digital audio player for the Palm OS that offers iTunes synchronization, skin, and background support. Have you ever used this? I have not because I just used the P-Tunes that came with my Centro, but uh, having the iTunes synchronization is probably great for somebody who has an iPod and a Centro. Yeah, and it looks like you can check it out uh, for 10 bucks. It's hard to beat the price. Um, looks like a good option, and uh, version 3.2.3 is available, and there's a free trial, so you can check it out. If you don't like it, you don't have to buy it. Next, a, an AT&T offering the Premium Pocket Express for free. Now, AT&T Handmark are offering a one-year free subscription to Pocket Express Executive for AT&T customers with a BlackBerry or Windows mobile device. The Executive Edition normally is $8 a month and adds movie showtimes, stock tracking, mapping, and 411 search to the news, sports, weather, and travel info offered by the free edition. So check that out if you are a BlackBerry or Windows mobile device user on the AT&T network if you're looking for this type of service. Well, let's move on to some questions and comments here. First one today is a question from Tim, and he says, My wife has an iPhone, and I have a Tilt, and up until recently, I would rub it in her face on how much more I could do with my phone than she could. Recently, she did the software update to her phone, and now the shoe is on the other foot. Do you know of any applications for Windows Mobile that can do some sort of social networking that the iPhone can? Um, Internet Explorer, uh, Photo Swap, or Twinkle, location-based Twitter client. I am a diehard Windows Mobile fan, but having the iPhone in the house is very cool. I stood in line for hours to buy it for her, and it just keeps getting better and better. Uh, 600 is a lot of money to spend on the iPhone, uh, but I really want one now, and I'm getting ready. But I'm not ready to give up Windows Mobile yet. So help me uh, keep up the great show, Tim from Milwaukee. Well, uh, you know, I have used uh, a number of different pieces of software on Windows Mobile devices, and some of them have been, I guess, a, a, a close comparison you know, competitor to something that you'd find on the iPhone. Uh, we'll talk about the a Twitter client here. The one that I used was CE Twit, and uh, that one I don't know has, if it has location-based services in it or not. 
Um, but as far as other software pieces that are out there, um, I'm not sure exactly what you're looking for. There, there is a Facebook application that allows you to have access to your Facebook. I believe there's something similar for MySpace. So if you're looking for a MySpace style uh, synchronization, you know, uh, conduit, I guess they've got that too. So what about PhotoSwap, Mickey? I don't know what PhotoSwap is actually. Uh, I honestly don't either. Um, I'm not sure if that. I'm guessing it has something. It's like a, a Flickr type site where it allows you to upload photos directly. Um, and you normally do that by just emailing the photo right off your device to Flickr directly, don't you? Yeah, that that just seems to work easy for me. I don't necessarily see a reason to have a separate piece of software where the built-in mail application allows you to take a picture and then right from that screen mail it. And that's standard across many devices, you know. And there's a Twitter uh, client like that too, like TwitPic, I believe, where you can uh, you basically email your device in or email your picture in from your device. And it will uh, post your your Twitter picture in your Twitter account with a link to it. Yeah. So there's there's a number of, of different options you can do that way. Um, so anyway, but um, you know, hopefully that kind of gives you some ideas. But you have to do some searching around and just you know. And there was one uh, one location one called uh, Brightkite. Oh yes, Brightkite. Yeah, that's another one too. It, unfortunately, it looks like is the beta closed though. I, I don't. It says if you can get invited. So if you know somebody with Brightkite, you can get in. Yeah, it's a location-based social networking service that allows you to kind of tie in your location to where you are. And I don't think you need GPS in it either. I think it can use your, your phone's data, I think. Kind of seems that way. Yeah. It says it doesn't need GPS. Yeah. Use it from any phone or laptop. So no GPS required, and it does have iPhone support as well. So that's transferable between the two. So check out brightkite.com as well, and that can give you a uh, – um, I'll put a link in the show notes for that for you there, Tim. So anyway, check that one out. Next here is a voicemail from Jeff. Hey, Mickey. My name is Jeff. I've called many times before. I love your show, guys. Um, just calling about a comment as far as the cell phone junkie unlocked episode two goes uh, with the prepaid phones, just with the with the Virgin Mobiles, um, as far as like the minute, minute packaging and plans go. If you buy a card, a prepaid card in the store, um, they come in different values. You can get like a $20 card, which will give you 200 minutes, uh, which is roughly $0.10 cents a minute for the Virgin Mobile. Um, they have a $30 car, which will give you 400 minutes, which is roughly $0.07.5 cents per minute. And then they have a um, $50 card for 1,000 minutes, which will give you a $0.05 cents a minute, um, which is a great deal. And they also have, at least for a card, $90 uh, for 450 minutes and a year's worth um, before it expires. So that's really it. Keep up your awesome work, guys, and you'll be hearing from me again soon. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Jeff, for the info about Virgin. That's uh, certainly good to know as far as the pricing of all those tiers. Um, so thank you very much for calling in and leaving us that message. Next one, question here from Greg. He says, hey, Mickey, the new Unlock show is great. Just hit the uh, just the extra hit of cell phone info that I need to get through the week. You and Joey were talking about the Plantronics 815 and the Side Tones feature. I, too, recall that feature and wonder why they don't all still have it. I forgot to mention this uh, this comparison chart. He's got a link here to uh, a Voyager comparison chart of all the different Voyager uh, Bluetooth headphones. And then it says, but I cannot find a similar chart or similar mention of the side tones for the Discovery 665, which I use every single day. Does it have this specific technology? Um, I have been mostly pleased with the 665, except that it sometimes drops the connection to the phone and it does not reconnect. Several times a week, I must turn off the Bluetooth uh, on my Trio 800 and turn off the 665 itself and then restart both for it to reconnect. About twice a month, I have to completely repair 
the two to make it work. Is it possible that the Trio 680 is contributing to the problem as well? The 680 locks up a few times a week also. I'd just comment here before you continue on. Yeah. I would say that the uh, it, it probably is something with the 680. Every uh, It's happened to me about uh, once a month here, I would say, just on... I've had it happen to me about two times where my Bluetooth headset will not work with my phone. Even though it shows the little headsets paired, I have to turn off Bluetooth on the Centro, turn it back on, and then it'll, it will actually link back up again. So it's probably something in the phone, I would say. I, I, probably not the, the Bluetooth headset, um, unless the battery is real low, but then they don't run anyway. So, mm. um, it, it, And if you want to tell about side tone, um, if you can hear yourself talking, or if you blow and you can hear wind noise coming through the Bluetooth headset, that's side tone. Mm-hmm. And, I, and we did verify the 665 does has it. Yes. Okay. Well, um, yeah, let's continue on with this. It says, the 815 model Joey has talked about is calling me because of the shape of the earbud. The 665 has a larger earbud with a tab that is supposed to somehow fit better, I guess. The problem is that I'm always trying to twist it into place when I do. The earbud wants to disengage from the larger body of the device. The 815s look like it might not have that problem. How about that Trio Pro? I know uh, how much other people like to point out the negatives, but from what I see and read, it looks pretty great. I'm looking forward to getting one of those in my hand. I just bought my wife a Centro on AT&T, and so far she's pretty impressed with it. Thanks for the great shows. Greg, the sticky note man. So, you know, just brief mention about the Trio Pro. I, I haven't had any hands-on time with it, but uh, as far as Windows Mobile Trios looks uh, goes, it looks like a great successor to what we've had so far. Um, Different keyboard on it. I know a lot of people aren't as happy about the keyboard because it's closer to the Centro than it was to the 700 series, which, matter of opinion, I think in many people's cases, obviously you really like it. Uh, Joey, I mean, you never had any problems with it. No, not with the Centro keyboard. No, I really like it. And to go back to the 815 comment, uh, the 815 is really easy to use. Uh, It just pops right into your ear. It it sometimes has a tendency to, to slide down. Um, I don't use the ear hook with it so because mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like that. I, I haven't even tried it because I don't even want to try it. But <laughs> it, uh, it sometimes will slide down, but it usually stays in place pretty good. It comes with like three different sizes of the, the rubber uh, earbud to stick in. So I, I do like it a lot. All right. Well, we'll have to certainly uh, you know, keep, in, keep up with, with some of these headsets. Um, you know, my, what do I have? I have the 825, and that one seems to, well, you just saw 925. It. Sorry, 925. Yeah, and that one has that little tab on it, too. I haven't had any problems with it, so, um, but I know what you mean with the little tab that's supposed to keep in your ear. It's very different than the, than the uh, 815. Yeah, so maybe, maybe the, the, um, yeah, the 815 may be a little bit better for you. But um, anyway, thanks for writing in, Greg. I always appreciate it. Uh, next one here is a question from Bob. He says, hey, Mickey and Joey, I live in Minnesota, about 30 miles northwest of Minneapolis. My AT&T GSM coverage is great everywhere that I need it in the Twin Cities area. Several times a year, I travel to northern, north central Wisconsin on U.S. Highway 8. The GSM coverage on that path has many weak areas and dead zones. I need to bring a Page Plus CDMA phone to make sure that I will always have coverage. I have seen uh, much improvement in my GSM coverage here in Minnesota over the past few years. Do you think we can expect to see similar improvements on the GSM coverage in northern Wisconsin now that, with, uh, now that the old Cell One network belongs to AT&T? Well... One thing that I will say is that the GSM networks are constantly improving, but as are the CDMA networks. It's not just a function of one technology or the other. Uh, just the CDMA side typically has had more time to progress because it is a network that has been here in the U.S. for a little bit longer, and they've kind of that was the transition for the most part from amps over to the CDMA. So, um, 
Yeah, it really does seem that uh, the carriers invested a lot more in CDMA way up front uh, when they were kind of, when AMPS was already kind of developed, uh, they really went to CD, like Verizon and Sprint both. That's kind of the only thing they really had to choose from. So they built up their CDMA way more than, than uh, GSM did because a lot of, uh, a lot of the, G, the, the now GSM sites were TDMA there for a while with AT&T way back before they were AT&T. Yeah. And <laughs> before they were not AT&T. Um, <laughs> when, they were, when they were AT&T, but then singular, but then... Yeah, back to back AT, to, yeah. Whatever they were. <laughs> they were a different... It was a different company completely with the same name. Just absolutely bizarre. But I think the coverage will improve, but I don't... I, I think it'll take... A, I, I think it'll take some time. I really do. I, I wouldn't hold your breath. I would keep... You'll probably have to keep bringing that CDMA phone for at least a, a good couple of years. If I'm thinking about Highway 8 as the the highway that I'm thinking of, that's the one that uh, that traverses from... Uh, is it... Nine, it goes 94 out to Eau Claire, and then Eau Claire heads over to... Uh, basically across over to Green Bay. It's like this cutoff. And if that is, in fact, the one that we're thinking of, it is very difficult for AT&T service, and I am very familiar with that highway. Um, I've, that's the road that uh, I've taken um, across. Let me look here. Joey's looking it up on here on a map. Uh, it's in the middle of nowhere, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a rough area. That's actually north of Green Bay uh, pretty significantly. So that area is going to be... Um, you're going to find, I think, it, it, we had a, a link in the show notes last week that was a good one, and this will show you the carriers that had the old 850 networks there, and those are the ones that are going to have the good service up there. I would almost guarantee you that Verizon and Altel, and Altel are the ones that are going to have the good service. I think well, you were just up in sort of that area, and you had Altel service up there. Yeah, I was west of there a bit, and Altel was super strong. It's going to take them a while. Let's just put it that way. Um Okay, yeah, it's actually north of the highway I was thinking of. It's going to take a while for them to get up there because at this point they're investing in their 3G networks and they're doing some other things. So they're, granted, they're going to want to, you know, to cover more areas, but they're focusing on areas where they can get the most bang for the buck with population centers and stuff like that. So uh, just you know, kind of keep an eye out and um, you know, keep trying it. Bring your phone with every time, but I wouldn't expect too much. It's going to be a while, I think. Next one here is uh, actually another question from Greg, our sticky note man. And he says, hey, Joey, since you're the resident Palm guy, I will ask you about this one. My wife is forever silencing her phone to go to the movies, church meetings or whatever. So she almost always forgets to unsilence it. We have often discussed how great it would be to have a timed silencer option for the cell phone. She has had uh, pretty plain phones for a long time, such as the Razor. But I got her a Centro on AT&T. And I'm wondering if you've heard of any kind of timed silencer app that could select a timer and or a specific time of day that will automatically go back to the normal alert functions. I know Butler has some ways to make an alarm flash and flash the screen and vibrate, but um, that wouldn't help if the device is in her purse. She may not decide to use her phone for hours or hours. Thanks for the help, Greg. Well, unfortunately, I don't know of one, and it doesn't seem like Butler has that exact feature, but that is a great idea to have, you know, Hit a hit a quick two hour delay when they, when you flip that switch on there. If the screen could pop up saying how long do you want that delay for, that would be pretty neat. Are there any profile applications on there? I don't have one. Um, Butler does have a schedule where you can change the the alerts yes. sorts of of things, but I don't know if that would exactly work with the switch off. I don't know if it would ever go back to ringing. Hmm. See, that's the kind of I, I'm not sure. Because it's all tied to that switch. Uh, yeah, and I don't know if the switch is actually hardware 
uh, either. It may be the fact where when you flip that switch, you, you actually can't get a ring out of it. So you may, I mean, the, in, in the case of an automatic schedule, you may have to keep it on ring mode, and then it wouldn't activate the ring. I would imagine there may be something out there, but I, I haven't seen anything with like a, a time delay, but that's a great, it's a great, uh, be a great feature to have. On some of the Windows phones that I've had, they've had the feature that allows you to do an automatic where it switches when you have an appointment on your calendar, where it'll automatically take it and switch it over to vibrate or what, however you set up that particular um, you know, uh, appointment or, and, or um, profile. Mm -hmm. So that, that was very positive and, and very easy to use it, go from a normal to a meeting mode. And, and so if there's something like that as there far as are, profiles. There are, there are some profile app, apps where you can set the, the ring mode. So maybe something like that you could kind of you know, maybe force fit Mm -hmm. uh, the usage. Maybe it wouldn't be as easy as a quick little pop-up. You know, how many hours do you want to be on vibrate for? Yeah, it'd be a good, uh, good, good thing for someone to write if it, in fact, wouldn't uh, conflict with what you've got with the switch on there. But obviously that could, could cause some problems too. But anyway, um, next one here. Actually, this is the last one, and it is a voicemail from Josh. Hey, Mickey, this is Josh calling. Um, just had a few questions. Wanted to see how you like the, uh, the Nokia E E71. Um, also, my other question was, uh, we just moved, and I've got all these cables from old cell phones and um, a Bluetooth headset that I never use, and I lost a cushion for it, and a Palm Trio headset, and just to name a few things. And I'm looking to do something with them. I mean, I put them on eBay, but they're probably only worth maybe five cents at the most or something like that. Um, I'm just wondering if you know of any kind of recycle place that I'd just be able to mail these off to or something like that so I can get rid of them so I don't have to throw them away. Um, that would be great. Let me know. Enjoy the show and keep up the great work. And I'm interested to see what you say about the, uh, the Nokia E71. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, Josh. Thanks much for the voicemail. Uh, we'll answer the second question first. Where do you send old chargers, headsets, stuff like that? I'm going to recommend that you take a look at the same types of places that we've talked about in the past to send your old phones because what's great about those types of, of operations that they take in phones and they can reuse them and do different things with them. And oftentimes, I would guess that they're getting these phones without chargers. So whether it's going to one of your, your local phone uh, uh, you know, store like a Sprint or Verizon or whatever where they collect the old phones, you could certainly bring in the chargers and, and donate them there. Um, the other thing is if you get a, oh gosh, we've talked about this a few times in the past where there's there's a number of different places, and going back a couple of shows would certainly bring it up, but um, they they there's a lot of places that take phones, and I would say probably do the same thing um, for the for the cords. What do you think? I would think so. They'd want to take the, uh, the 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 chargers back. I mean, they may not, and, and some of them may, some of them not, uh, may not. But I would think they would need the chargers because I know a lot of people don't bring them in. Um, so I, I, I just don't know. Looks like uh, the Sprint Project Connect. Uh, looks like they're looking for phones and batteries. Uh, doesn't say anything up there about chargers, but I guess they would want chargers. Uh, there's a lot of phones out there that have a, a consistent charger across multiple you know, phones. Uh, or, like, for example, the, the mini USB has been a standard up until now, and now we're switching over to micro USB. So if you've got mini USB chargers, those can you know, many times be used across multiple devices, making sure that the, the output is, is what, you know, is correct. But, um, you know. I don't know. I, I guess you just have to try it. The individual program may or may not take them. Yeah. 
Uh, on the first question, though, how do I like the E71? Uh, so far, I am, uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm learning it. It's very similar to, I guess, what you'd expect with any operating system that you've never used before. You get very frustrated with some things, and you get very relieved by other things. Uh, I don't have to reset this phone. I don't have problems with memory. I don't have uh, the issues you know, of, of slow or sluggish performance that I've had with certain Windows mobile devices. At the same time, it's got no touchscreen, so I'm constantly wanting to use the touchscreen. Um, the email application is a little rough for me. I'm I, not a fan. I think that they could have done so much more with it. I'm using the Nokia email beta application right now to test it out, but I, I haven't made, um, I haven't had enough time, honestly, to, to be able to talk about it yet. So we're going to talk it. We're going to save that for next weekend because I'm going to get a little bit more time with it over the week, and I should be able to have it kind of you know humming along by then because it's only been a few days. So I don't know. But I don't, Joe. You've seen it. Yeah, it's a it's very small, uh, very it's it's kind of top heavy, mm -hmm. and it uh, feels like a premium device. Yes, it does. Uh, it works very well with a lot of the stuff that I like. I mean, as far as it's got a Twitter application in it that allows for automatic updating. The GPS with the built-in Nokia Maps works really well. Stuff like that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that for this show, especially since we're running a little bit late here tonight. And uh, we'll talk more about it next time. So, But thank you very much for the voicemail. We appreciate that. And finally today, we're going to just talk about a, uh, a story here that talks about a new affliction that a lot of people are getting here since their purchase of the iPhone 3G or upgrading their first-generation iPhone, and that's apophilia. And this is a uh, disease. <laughs> Maybe we'll just call it condition. A, a condition <laughs> where people are just constantly buying applications because you start out with the, ooh, let's just check out some of these free applications, and then you move on to, oh, it's just 99 cents. I can just get, 99 cents. I can get a bunch of those, and it's a one-click, and you don't even have to think about it. And there you go. The application is on your phone. And the writer of this story that came from the L.A. Times said that he had spent over $90 within just a few weeks on his, uh, on his applications, which, you know, I guess in, in some cases is, you know, probably not that much for some people, but... Uh, We'll just call it apophilia, and if you've got this disease, you may want to check out the parental controls that, are, <laughs> that you can install on the device, and so you're not constantly clicking on and downloading applications with a one-click. But anyway, uh, that's it for us today. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so. Questions at thecellphonejunkie.com. Give us a call, 206-203-3734. Check us out on Twitter. Joey, it's always great to be here with you in person. I've got a plane to catch, so we got to run here. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.